Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Ben Bateman. And I'm Andrew Guy. And we are the Action Guys! Boom! Ah! Didn't see that coming, did you guys? I bet you they were expecting us to do something different. Yeah. And then to not talk about it. But we always talk about it. We always talk about it. We're going to start to lose people in the first 10 seconds. I don't think so. I don't either. I love it. If I was a new listener, I would love this. (laughs) (laughs) I can guarantee it. I am impartial. Uh, So, guys, this is the Action Guys. And today on the show, we are answering the question, what is the greatest directorial debut of all time? This is because this week. On Action Movie Anatomy, we covered the film Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Peele's Get Out came out in 2017. The reason that we covered that was because the release of Us is happening His very, brand new very film. soon. Yep. Uh, very excited about it. Highly anticipated. It looks creepy as all hell. It's got an all-star cast. And it got us to thinking about this thing, about debuts and how how great. I mean, because a lot of our favorite directors, the Nolans, the PTs of the world, their first movie, you're like, it's okay. Yeah, right. Like it's kind of like they're missed. They got a chance to warm up. James Cameron. People you know? are usually more concerned with P.T. Anderson's first movie if it's called Heart Eight or Sydney than they are about the movie actually being good. You exactly. know, when it comes to you know uh, Nolan, it's like following is the movie no one's seen. You know, with like Fincher, it's like <laughs> Alien Three sucks. Yes, it's a bad it's movie. Bad. Well, it wasn't a. Uh, uh, what is James Cameron's first movie or Peter Jackson's? They both have really weird ones, too. Yeah, Cameron's. Well, Piranha 2 is Cameron's, right? Cameron's first movie is Piranha 2. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of these directors don't have a great debut. Right. Um, occasionally, you get somebody like a Jordan Peele who comes along and has a great debut. And I'm excited to see what the reactions to us are this weekend at South by debuts, I think. And oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the, today, the question we are trying to answer is what is the greatest directorial debut of all time? And in our opinion, there are kind of a few classic categories that we're going to we've got a bunch of you know written down here the first category is the up-and-comer right so what we define that as is like let's say a director comes out with a movie and it's it's a really good movie but then they go on to have an unbelievable career well that first movie then gets looked at with rose-colored glasses as an early classic right whereas if the rest of their career had sucked that movie would be above average but not special right and then the, the other category or another category is the classic category where the first film that they did is a classic now it might not even be the best film they've ever directed 
But it may be the fact that the movie that they came out swinging out of the gates with was a movie that will just always be remembered as one of the greatest movies of all time. And, and you know, just to look ahead a little bit, Get Out, Ben and I argue, is now in that category. I think Get Out's in the top 100. And then the last category is the one-hit wonder. And this is a director who had so much claim in their first film that no matter what the quality of the rest of their career was, no matter how many films they make that were good or bad – Never will another film have quite the level of significance mm-hmm. in the all-time canon that first film has. Yeah. Uh, and so – And there's we, a couple newer directors in there as well that we haven't seen anything else out of them. So they are kind of in the position to either succeed or not fail but kind of fall flat. A lot of hype surrounding their first film that it's going to be hard to live up to. Yes. So those are the three categories we are kind of going to define this list into. We're going to get into all three lists here in just a second, which we're really excited to do. Um, but before we do that, there's a couple things we want to share with you guys, the listeners of – of the action guys the first is that uh, if you guys are watching this clip on youtube please subscribe to the channel this is the collider podcasts channel on youtube it helps this thing grow we need your help to have that continue to grow subscribe like comment all the things we're also on the collider podcast movie talk feed yes so leave your comments there check it out we drop on friday every single week now beyond that there's a few things that drew and i are working on that we want to talk to you guys about i'm gonna let drew Jump in with that. 100%. The thing that Ben and I have been working on so tirelessly with an incredible team of people working with us is Action Industries. Yeah, say it again, baby. Action Industries. This is something that we're trying to go global with. Everything from the Action Guys to Action Movie Anatomy to Movie Trivia Schmodown to just basically what we do in our own lives. We are trying to build this brand to just go global. So what you can do to help us is find Action Industries on Facebook. Give that page a like. Go to Team Action Show on Twitter. Give us a follow and leave a couple comments. Leave us a tweet. Tweet us about today's episode. And lastly, of course, Action Industries on Instagram. We do a really fun game on there once a week where we either take a sound clip or a clip from a movie and post it up there. And the first person to respond gets their question live answered on Action Movie Anatomy. And we give them a little bit of a shout-out. That would be a cool way to, to maybe come up with a game for the action guys in the forward. I think we should. I think Future. we absolutely should. And the very last thing to plug, because I think you guys are going to find this particularly interesting, mm-hmm. is that Andrew and I have a match that debuts this week. It's a, it's a team's match uh, in the movie trivia showdown. There's a feud going on right now where Drew and I are rivaling each other. And uh, as we used to do in the old days, back when we were brothers, before <laughs> the bond was broken, we actually did a reaction to this match. We went behind the scenes. We gave some of the beats, the breakdowns, the things that happened. You guys can find that exclusively on our Patreon, patreon.com slash teamaction, along with these full episodes for this show that will drop every single Friday to patrons of. So go check out those tiers. There's a brand new list of them coming out this week, patreon.com slash teamaction. Thanks for supporting. Let's get into the show. Absolutely. So now we are going to get into breaking down what is the greatest directorial debut of all time. But firstly, we need to break down the three categories, the up-and-comer, the classic, and, of course, the one-hit wonder. We've already defined them. Let's start with the up-and-comer. So there's a couple movies written here on the up-and-comer. I'm going to jump in with one that's near and dear to my heart, and that's Reservoir Dogs. It's a weird one to have on this list. It's a great directorial debut. Quentin Tarantino, 1992. This is a wonderful film, and in a lot of ways, this is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. It is so iconic. There's so many things, whether it's from the names or the uh, the ear cutting off the ear scene. You know, that is probably the most iconic of it. The reason that it falls in this category, though, is because Quentin Tarantino goes on and does Kill Bill, and goes on and does Pulp Fiction, and goes on and does I mean, Django so many and more Glorious things. Bastards, yeah, and like, all these. He, he makes movies that get nominated for and win Oscars. He makes movies that become. Like, literally, Pulp Fiction is one of the 100 greatest films ever made. So no matter how good Reservoir Dogs is, it's impossible not to think of it in retrospect as an up-and-comer, that if every movie he had made afterwards was not as good, 
Reservoir Dogs would be considered a really good movie, but I don't think Reservoir Dogs would have the significance that it has because it's directed by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And so much of it is lifted from the film. I think it's uh, what, City on Fire. Is that the name of the film? I think, that's, sure. I think that's the that's oh the, that he pulled from yeah or whatever yeah a lot of the, so so I think that that is the first and best one to reference. I'm a huge fan of Reservoir Dogs, like I said, and I haven't watched it in a few years, but I, I often feel like that is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Your yeah. favorite is Kill Bill, right? My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie, it actually might be Pulp Fiction. Now I'm not positive, but like the second so we covered it on our show so recently, and and like I, I've seen it actually more times this year than I think I ever have in, in like one year in my life, and I just or within the last year, and I just really really love so many things about that movie. So I'm gonna let you jump in with the uh, the last one on this list here that I feel like is one of your favorites. Yeah, absolutely. The the very last guy on this list that we have here is Ben Affleck. Yeah, actually, I'm gonna take him. I was gonna go Darren Aronofsky, but I think that Ben Affleck here is a little bit more substantial, especially in recent years. I mean, talk about another actor turned director who has done such a great job. Now his directorial debut, of course, happened in 2007 with Gone yep. Baby Gone, which you know how much I love that movie. Yeah, and then he goes on to do The Town, the which next I, movie. Which yeah. is also I adore that film, and then he does Argo and Live by Night, which are like a little bit lackluster comparatively. I mean, Argo wins Best Picture, yeah. even though I don't think it deserves it. But the reason that I say this is just again because Ben Affleck film wins Best Picture like four years later or three years later or whatever it is. Uh, it's kind of hard to say that Gone Baby Gone is his classic film. I truly think his best movie is The Town, yeah. but Argo is, is, is the one. It wins Best Picture. How can you not? So that's why I think Ben Affleck falls under the up-and-comer with Gone Baby Gone. Just it's, a, it's a solid debut, and I watched I Gone Baby Gone again. I liked it more than I had the first time. I still feel like it's it's figuring out its tone a little bit. It's uh, it's trying to be pretty tough. It has some really hard edge stuff, but it also has some stuff that feels a little loose. I don't... Ed Harris is, like, thrown in there just to be crazy and a badass. Yeah, and he's sweet. He's really sweet. There's moments that I don't think Casey Affleck was the right casting choice for that role, actually. There's moments where I actually think he's great. He's perfect. And yeah. then there's times when – it's one of those weird times where Michelle Monaghan, I don't completely love her. She kind of bothers me a little bit as his wife. Yeah. Um, so, But I think, it's a, I think it's a strong debut. I'll jump in but next the, hold year. Hold on. The, 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 the mom, though. Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan. She gets an Oscar on for that movie. She's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She plays a good mom. She's the mom in... Um, she plays a horrible mom, but <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> she plays the mother in a movie this year, actually, uh, that was good, that people liked, called Beautiful Boy. She's the mom in Beautiful oh, Boy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. I like it. I heard it was Hard to watch. Good. Hard to watch. Um, next up on the list, I'm going to jump in with Bottle Rocket, the first film from Wes Anderson. This is a movie from, I want to say, 1996, probably. Yeah. Maybe 97. Um, it's the first Wes Anderson movie who goes on to have an unbelievable career. The next movie that he makes is Rushmore, and then he makes Royal Tenenbaums. That's just the beginning. Royal Tenenbaums is still my favorite. Far and away for me, too. It's got to be the best. It's the best. Yeah. And, I mean, there's movies like Grand Budapest Hotel and Fantastic Mr. Fox, and like he made all these other movies over the years that people just love. Moon Rice Kingdom, like yeah. his career has been really special. Did you like Isle for Dogs or Island, uh, Isle of Dogs? Isle of Dogs. It was okay. It was fine. It was fine. You saw it? Yeah, yeah. Like I enjoyed it enough. It just I don't ever need to watch it again. Yeah, it was yeah. cute, I'm but the like way. the quirky stuff that he does. I mean, and a lot of his movies, like Life Aquatic, is not that good, and Darjeeling Limited is not that good. But there's moments in them that are great. Yeah, but but. I love Bottle Rocket. When I've watched Bottle Rocket again, it's like a very small movie, but it does a good job. So I enjoy Bottle Rocket. I think it's a great, great up-and-comer. Um, are we going to do – so I was a little confused. Are we going to keep going through up-and-comers? Do you want me to do list another one or are we going to we'll, I think we'll get five or six and we can just – we can honorable mention the rest. Okay. So the last one that I'm going to say uh, 
Oh, man, it's it's so hard. Uh, I'm going to go with the honorable mentions really quick then. Or I'm going to throw Fede Alvarez and Darren Aronofsky in my honorable mentions. That's because fair. Because yeah. I would much rather talk about Fruitvale Station and Ryan Coogler. Yeah. Uh, I actually have never seen Fruitvale. Really? I've still never seen it. I, I think I don't want to watch it because I know how horribly depressing it is. I yeah, know how it ends. One. I know, you know, it's his first collab with Michael B. And yeah. they go on to do so many incredible things together. Obviously, Black Panther being the most recent and success. Or actually, Creed 2 being the – yeah. No, no. Did he direct Creed 2? He, he didn't. Did. He, no, he, he didn't did do not. Creed yeah, yeah. So it was Black Panther. He's just done three um, movies so far, yeah. Yeah, and and he's great. Like, I, I'm just oh, yeah. so excited to see what he's going to do in his career. The reason it's under the up-and-comer is because Fruitvale Station, while it being great, he's got Black Panther and, uh, Creed. and Creed right behind it, which is definitely those movies are both better than Fruitvale, or at least more culturally They're relevant. Better. Fruitvale's a really good movie, yeah. but it's not like an amazing movie. I mean, that's the thing That's the thing about this category, and that's why we're starting with this category. Uh, and I think you guys can figure out that none of the movies in this category are going to be the greatest directorial debut of all time. They're sort of like the warm-up, yeah. the appetizer, because a lot of these directors went on to be really amazing directors who have had incredible careers, but their best work was still ahead of them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think my honorable mention I'll throw here is uh, Barry Levinson's first film, Diner, from 1982, which is actually a movie I really love. It's a, it's a start for a lot of actors like Kevin Bacon and Mickey Rourke and oh. Ellen Barkin and uh, uh, Timothy Daly and this like, it's like a very st- Steve Gutenberg. A lot of these guys, it's their first movie. And um, it's just a group of guys in uh, Baltimore that uh, they're kind of coming of age. They're all like a transfer, transitioning from you know late college, early adulting, and uh, it's a really good movie. It's huh. a, it's a, our good friend Anthony Timbakas actually, who wrote Warrior. It's one of his favorite movies of oh, all time. That's why it sounds so familiar in my mind, but I've never seen it. And we don't ever talk. About Gavin it. O'Connor, who directed Warrior and all these other great movies, you know, Anthony and Gavin worked a lot together, and he's told me before that the movie that the two of them connected on the first time they ever talked art was Diner. It's like one of Two of them, it's like their favorite movie. And I, growing up, have told you about this book I read, uh, my first movie, the one that Kevin Smith interviews in. Oh, right. And there's an interview with Barry Levinson talking about making Diner. So hmm. it's always – since I was a teenager, this movie has stuck with me. It's had like a little special place. Yeah, I just have always really loved it. And so uh, you know, that's sort of the honorable mention, but I guess I talked about it at length. The other one would be Say Anything, which is Cameron, oh, Cameron Crowe's Crow. first film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if not for the fact that he directed a movie called Jerry Maguire <laughs> and then another movie called Friggin' Almost Famous. And another movie called Elizabethtown. Ooh. <laughs> and another movie called Aloha <laughs> and Vanilla Sky. <laughs> okay. All right. But those first two yeah. are so good and such favorites of mine. No matter how good Say Anything is, and it is. It is an excellent movie. And it has iconic moments. And there are some people probably that would look at you in the face and say, if you don't think Say Anything is his best the movie best of work. all time, you're crazy. But Almost Famous is just so good. And so is Jerry. And Jerry, Jerry is too. They're both in their respective genres trying to do what they want to do. They're both like – like I always say this about Jerry Maguire, but – when you were a kid, same with me, you probably remember uh, you'd drive by the local movie theater and you'd see the movies on the marquee, right? Yeah. And there was the movies that you'd drive by and you would see they were on there for like four yeah. or five months. Yeah, And like five months later, they were still showing some movie. Titanic, Jerry Maguire. Bridget Jones' you know. Diary. Yes, yes. Right? Movies like that where you're like – and the reason that happens is because they just were so popular. People were still going Forced to showings. Down. And Jerry is that movie, literally, for me, that I can remember as a kid. It felt like I was in theaters for a year. For a year long, yeah. People just loved that movie. 
Um, That's great. Uh, So those are the up-and-comers of our directorial debuts. Now we're going to move on to something called the classics. These are the ones where even if this is – oh, sorry. I think we should do the one-hit wonders first. I was actually going to say that. Because the classics, that's like the the bread and butter. Okay, all right. So we're going to go to the one-hit wonders. These are the ones where either this is the best thing that they ever did, they never went on to do anything better than this, or they're just brand-new directors and we've yet to see more out of them. So I'm going to hop in first here with Ari Aster, I believe, who directed Hereditary. That movie is so sweet. So this is really funny. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet because what? I'm too scared to watch it by myself. I'm I, not even the horror guy. I know. You're the horror guy. I know. Well, that's why when you tell me you go to these movie premieres by yourself for horror films, I'm like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. I do <laughs> not like going to horror movies in theaters by my lonesome. It bothers me. Hereditary is one of the scariest horror movies I've watched. Every time I see like a clip from there, like I recently saw someone post a clip of how the kid in the in the classroom when he starts to have his like freak out or whatever, it was all improvised by him. I like turned off the behind the scenes of that because I was like, I don't, I don't watch this. That movie's freaky, and and Tony Collette should have been nominated for an Oscar. I, so that's okay. So again, the reason I mention this is because I'm the horror movie guy who hasn't even seen it, but I've heard nothing but rave reviews. I've heard it's incredibly unique. I've heard Tony Collette is a, like absolutely mind blowing performance. So good in that movie, and it's just it's I've never I haven't heard anything bad about it. So I've got to throw it in there. As, Gabriel Byrne is a it's, that, that movie's so sweet. Like maybe I'll watch it tonight. Yeah. You'd love that movie. That I just movie is, don't like watching scary movies by myself. Don't watch it by yourself. I won't. You have a dog now. I do. Snickers, Snickers. can watch it with you. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up on the list, I'm going to go with Ordinary People. This is the debut, oh, yeah. directorial debut from Robert Redford. Now, wins Best Picture, made in 1980. This is a fascinating one because this is almost the definition of one-hit wonder, not in the sense that he didn't do other great movies. Because like Quiz Show mm-hmm. was nominated for Best Picture in 1994, and it's a great movie. I would argue a better movie in Maybe some ways. Maybe the most forgotten movie in in best picture history could be yeah um and you know redford did other great movies like he has he had a really strong career as a director but the thing about ordinary people is in 1980 there are few people in the history of hollywood that were as famous as robert redford was robert redford had come up as in butch cassidy and the sundance kid he had made all the president's men he had one best picture for the sting he had had this like Epic, massive, insane career in the 70s where he just was the best. Like he was he was Brad Pitt. He looked just like Brad Pitt, right? I mean like right. before Brad Pitt. You know, yeah. he has that beautiful smile. Newman's the older guy, but, you know, Redford's that young, talented guy. He could write. He could direct. So he assembles all the pieces and he makes – he basically gets all the president's men made. He doesn't direct it. Al J. Pakula directs it in 76. But a few years later, he makes Ordinary People and it's this really interesting take on like basically an American family going through – you know, going through separation with a kid that's really, really messed up from a trauma. And he has to see a therapist and the family is very like East Coast waspy. They don't want to – admit their kid is seeing a therapist it's it's the late 80s late 70s like, right it's a different time and nowadays your kids see that it's normal but at that time it was not normal and so that movie got a lot of acclaim so it wins best picture in 1980 the year after kramer versus kramer wins and it's like when you go back and watch that movie it's a good movie it's fine right it's totally watchable there's interesting stuff that redford does as a debut filmmaker but it's kind of that thing where he was so famous and so successful it marked those sort of like the zenith, the peak that he was ever going to have creatively. And there's no other movie he ever was going to do again unless he truly made like – I don't know what he ever could have done because Ordinary People is pretty good. Right. But that is a truly a one-hit wonder film. Like most people don't even know that he directed Quiz Show. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, so I have a, like a, a weird one that I want to throw in here because it's kind of like – 
I wanted to say Greta Gerwig as well for for Lady Bird, Lady Bird, which I think is excellent. It's great movie, but I actually kind of wanted to 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 use Greta Gerwig as a segue to talk about Patty Jenkins. So Patty Jenkins' first movie ever was Monster, which is great movie, absolutely incredible. And then obviously she goes on to do Wonder Woman, and then now she's doing 1984. So I don't know which category she falls in. I guess that probably would be up and comer, yeah, because I don't think that Monster is a one hit wonder, and I don't think it's a classic. Now it's like but, a great performance in an okay movie. But so I'm going to use this as a way to talk about Greta Gerwig, hoping that she kind of leans into the Patty Jenkins route. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I think Lady Bird was really great. I. I uh, I thought that she really captured a lot of that coming of age and the fun mother-daughter stuff, which actually kind of hits home to me because I was raised with with four women. You know, I didn't have a dad growing up. So the moments they had between mother and daughter, I thought she did a really good job. And it's kind of like when they talk about making craft beer. Yeah. It's really, really, really hard to make a great lager because it needs to be consistent. It needs to always taste the same and it can't have too much flavor to it. Yeah. I think she did a really great job of taking a slice of life in Lady Bird and just kind of giving it to us. Didn't make it anything over the top. Didn't make anything crazy. You kind of walked away from it and you're like, did anything happen in that movie? But it it did. It is a really great – go ahead. You know, it's interesting. is like you talked about Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird, and uh, I think this is going to hit home with you because I know you just watched this movie. The other directorial debut, so close and so similar that in a lot of ways, when I think about the two movies I like more, uh-huh. it's Edge of Seventeen. Kelly oh. Fremont Craig, her, de- her directorial debut came out with, I think, the same year as yeah, Lady Bird. I just watched that like two weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. Like, I, I would say if I was thinking about which one to rewatch – I'd probably rewatch that movie. 100%. I like Edge of 17 a lot. Don't they also both have Timothy Chalamet? Isn't he in both movies? I think so. I also like... Uh, no, no, he's not. No, he's, no, he's, he's not, he's not no. the dickbag character in Edge of 17. No. I also like I Am Simon, or um, Love I, Simon yeah. more, too. Yeah, oh, Love Simon. Yeah. Is that his directorial debut? Is it? That, that's an excellent... Uh, here, you go ahead and take the next one. I'll, I'll go Love Simon. Because if that is, in fact, Greg Berlanti's directorial debut as a filmmaker, that's my favorite movie on this whole list. Yeah. Because I love that movie. I love – I've seen that movie three times now, yeah, which is too. a movie that – so Greg Berlanti here, his directorial debut is – I think it might be. Is it? I, I'm just like – My internet's cutting out. Why don't you go to the next movie on the list so that we have here? The next movie on the list is going to be a movie that I think most people would probably consider a contender for the greatest film ever made and mm-hmm. definitely of the films we're talking about here and that's gonna be frank darabont's first film the shawshank redemption oh wow yeah that yeah i mean shawshank i mean this is a movie we covered this movie two weeks ago three weeks ago now on actually movie done Enemy. he'd done two of our movies life as we know it okay in 2010 and the broken hearts club a romantic comedy in 2000 got it um Frank Darabont directs Shawshank, 94. We covered this movie. We had great stories. Drew McQueenie, your teammate, uh, yeah. your, 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 your faction mate in uh, the family, told a great story about actually reading the you script. You could just say the guy that helped me beat you. Okay. You want to just say that? Uh, you could say it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose this hasn't aired yet. It has. This is not going to yeah. – what? Oh, I mean, right now it hasn't aired yet. This will air by the time Friday. This airs. It'll be the yeah. same day. It, no, this. I think our episode airs, or the match airs on Thursday. Oh, uh, so yeah. people know. So people know that I beat you. So it's a huge spoiler, guys. But yeah. uh, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, but he uh, calls in and tells us this incredible story about how Darabont and him knew each other. He was working at a video store, and Darabont would come in. Darabont showed him the, the draft, the first draft of the final script that he actually had, and he and his and his roommate read it that night, and they talked about how great it was. It was like they, page to hand, page hand to the page off, and it was like a, a, a assembly yeah. line of reading this script. And it's just, I mean, you know, The Green Mile is a really good movie. It's overrated it's, it's in retrospect. Enough, yeah. You know, The Mist is not very good. Nope. Uh, the Majestic is not very good. Nope. And Darabont. Otherwise, has mostly produced and done TV, but the Shawshank Redemption, 
it's that weirdly just like perfect movie. I mean, I've seen the Shawshank Redemption as many times as most classic movies I can think of at this point. It's the most on TV, just like such a satisfying rewatch. I have no idea how many times I've seen this movie, but it, it's always good. It's never not perfect. So uh, it, it's going to be hard to see if he just doesn't take the cake on the whole thing. I mean, that's such an incredible debut. Yeah. But we do have a couple more one-hit wonders in here. Um I think the last one, or the last one, I think we got to mention because we both were born in '88. We both went to high school and graduated in 2006. It's Donnie Darko, Richard Kelly. Yeah. Do you remember how much of like a cultural phenomenon that was when we were in high school? And it's people, not oh, even that good of a not movie. Not a good movie. <laughs> like why? Why? It like just had this thing like uh, for our age. Uh, the the Mad World cover, yeah, right. That was like a song. It's a great cover. Yeah, it's a great cover, and it's weird, and it's like quirky and kind of depressing. You have uh, you have Swayze in there as Jim Cunningham, the pedophile. Do you know I've only seen this movie once. Same same here. I just didn't care. I I, I avoided watching it for like the five years that it was super popular. And then I finally went back and watched it when I was in college, and I was like, this movie just sucks. Yeah, it's not very good. The funny part is that Southland Tales is what we really really exposed Richard Kelly because uh, I believe wasn't his next movie, Southland Tales? Isn't that the movie he made after Donnie Darker? He might have made – Oh, right, I right. think it was. And that's The Rock when he was like trying to figure out if he was an actor yet, and it has like – it's the worst movie. Southland Tales is one of the yeah, most that movie's so bad, bizarrely atrocious movies I I've ever seen. I remember the box seen. cover and everything. You know who the other people I would love to throw in this category if we could? What? The Wachowski sisters. Yeah. But they directed this movie called Bound before they did the movie. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been a great one. Yeah. Because their movies suck now. Yeah. <laughs> they don't make very good they movies. They do not make any good movies. I, I think they could maybe make another good one, but oh well. Was uh, Matt Reeves' directorial debut Cloverfield? Am I right about that? Sounds correct. It is. It's, yeah, that's his director. I think it absolutely is. And he ended up having a pretty sweet career. I guess you'd, you'd have to put that in the up and comers category, though. That wouldn't be in the one hit wonder category because he ended up doing no, like. I did War and, and Dawn, Let Me In. And let Me In. Yeah, those are all great. Okay, yeah. so now the last category, the one that we all know and love. It's the classics. Every single movie in here you've probably seen, you probably love. Actually, there's one in here that I. Ha- Actually, there's two in here I haven't seen. Um, and I'm going to start it off with maybe the most famous classic of all time. Citizen Kane, Orson Welles, never seen it. Heard it's boring as hell. It's old. It's old, I can tell you that. They keep talking about a flower in it, right? Some sort of <laughs> You dandelion. can just say F. Rosebud if you want. <laughs> I know that's what you want to do. Okay, so I know that I need to watch this. I know I need to go and get in touch with the inner filmmaker in me and see all the things that happened for the very first time. I just don't care enough. But I will give the nod to the fact that Citizen Kane is arguably the most famous movie of all time. And the fact that Orson Welles did this as his very first film ever is absolutely astonishing. There's a couple other interesting movies. Um, The Magnificent Ambersons is the movie that he follows up with, which is usually considered to be a pretty good movie. People like The Magnificent Ambersons, though it never never comes up. It's not like a real movie people talk about. If I remember correctly, did he also direct The Third Man? No, he didn't. I don't know why you're asking me. Touch of Evil is the other. That's the (laughs) other super famous one that he directed. There's there's like a seven-minute tracking shot at the beginning of Touch of Evil that's like very famous. I would say Touch of Evil is probably the other famous one. And then I guess he's maybe in The Third Man, but he doesn't direct it. But... Without a doubt, there's no question. Right, it either it's would be one hit wonder or classics. Like yeah. people usually talk about it as the greatest film of all time. So, yeah, if it, if it wasn't such 
I mean, like, it's it was really hard for us to not put Shawshank in the category, but the fact that the Green Mile had so much, uh, like, a claim behind it when it came out was the yeah. only reason. There's uh, uh, Orson Welles just feels like a different time, and Citizen Kane just feels like too iconic to ever be anything else. So that is going to be my first one for classics. What do you got? Um, I'm going to go uh, next up on the list of classics with This Is Spinal Tap by oh. Rob Reiner. Now, this is a weird one because he ended movie. up having such a sweet career, like – this guy, in the next few years after he made this movie, he makes, like, The Princess Bride. He makes When Harry Met Sally. Stand By Me? He makes Stand By Me. Right. He makes A Few Good Men. Like, he has a great career. Oh, Reiner good, has an incredible career. A Few Good Men. You Underrated movie. You love <laughs> Anytime you can talk about it. How did I know you were going to be like, first of all, I just need to say one thing about A Few Good Men. <laughs> Underrated film in today's canon. People talk about it like it's this cheesy movie because of its one line. No, but it's sweet. That's I, that's an AMA movie. It's a great dramatic. That's film. an AMA movie if I've ever seen one. Oh, like yeah. that's like us breaking the rules to do a, to do a cruise movie. Yeah. Can we um by the way start oh. calling him TC Legend? I was thinking about suggesting this at one point. No, not into it. Huh? I love it. TC Legend. <laughs> I love it. I, I will I will happily call him TC Legend. No, the the reason I was kind of laughing and looking off is because I was looking at the other movies that that Reiner's directed in his career, which like he definitely has fallen off in the last decade. But before that, he did Bucket List and Rumor Has It. No. Uh, oh. Before that, he did, um, you know, The American President, A Few Good Men, Misery, When Harry Met Sally, Princess Bride, Stand By Me. All these movies are just great run hitters. Great run. And all classics, too. Yeah, because he's a great writer, too, if I remember correctly. He wrote a lot of these movies. with. Yeah, I mean, um, that's so funny. We could do a, probably an entire podcast on The Bucket List. Yeah. I would love to do that. <laughs> I've you, never seen The Bucket List. <laughs> Have you seen LBJ? No, that's the Woody one. Yeah, I heard it's bad. Yeah, it sounds horrible, but it seems it's incredibly intriguing. Woody and Jason Clark both playing former presidential candidates with fake chins. <sighs> <laughs> I'll take the Jason Clark. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is Spinal Tap. I love that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead, and we already said Jordan Peele, so we're just gonna, I'm just going to cross that off the list. I'm going to go in with a good friend of mine, and actually, a couple points were given to me that, uh, in my match yesterday. Tony K, American History X. Mm. This movie is, I think, no, it just is my favorite Edward Norton performance, period. Mike I Shiner. love this movie. That's for me. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, Tony K doesn't really go on to do much more in his career, but he just kind of gets, he kind of gets it all in this movie. Now, I am curious to go back and watch it because it's probably been about five years since I've seen it. Yeah. And so much has changed in our climate and 25 to 30 is, is a lot different. So I'm very, very curious to see what this movie actually is like now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've seen this movie once. It was probably in high school, I'm guessing. So this came out in, like, 99. I probably watched this in, like, 05-ish, 04-ish kind of territory. I remember it's a good movie. I remember feeling like it wasn't a great movie, but it's a great performance, Mm -hmm. and it has some really shocking imagery that sticks with you. Yeah, I'm wondering if the shocking imagery from being a kid and watching it, maybe if that's the nostalgia of it is what makes it... The so curb stomp or whatever yeah, it's called. So gnarly. Yeah. That's you can like hear the, the teeth gritting against the cement. Yeah. That's yeah. like the most savage, like insane, yeah. crazy and one. Standing up, the tattoos, and he's pretty shredded. It's yeah. a great shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like, in, especially at the age you were when you watched it. Like, I mean, yeah, I was, I, in, I was in high school, like you said, probably 2005. Yeah, it yeah. definitely like affects you. Oh, that's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it was also one of those things where you see a movie and you're kind of like, oh, this is a different type of movie. This yeah. Is, you know? Yeah, it's uh, Edward Furlong, uh, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So uh, another film that we're going to go to on this list is going to be I'll, – I'll jump in with another interesting one. This one's Badlands. 
Um, and this oh, is a, yeah, Terrence Malick. This is a weird one because the way, the way Badlands worked is that in 1971, Badlands came out, and it was Terrence Malick's first movie. He, he kind of had this interesting take. It's the same take that ended up uh, kind of going on to become, like, natural-born killers, basically. It's the whole, like, glorifying criminals, glorifying violence, right. then becoming celebrities. It was a brand-new idea at the time. Um, and it's Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek together in a film. Uh-huh. And it was a movie that at the time kind of – I'm trying to relate it to another movie. It's like a movie that like swept the world, right? Like Memento is like I think kind of a good example of the kind that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But the difference between it and Memento is that like in 1971, I mean Coppola hadn't even made The Godfather yet. Scorsese hadn't even made a movie yet. Like – this was groundbreaking stuff. This was at the front end of the 70s. And so yeah, uh, – 1973. 73. OK. So he – yeah. So it's the year after Godfather. It's right in that era. And so what ends up happening is he takes like – I want to say like 10 years between Badlands and the time he makes his next movie, which is called Days of Heaven. So he takes – yeah. Which is – so he takes five years between Badlands and Days of Heaven and then he takes 10 years between Days of Heaven and Thin Red Line. Yeah. So he made three movies between 73 and 98. <laughs> Um, Which is crazy. Three and movies in 25 years, right? Thin Red Line sucks. Yeah, I like Thin Red Line. I think it's so – I need to watch it. I was in high school. It was so boring. But so what's fascinating about the Thin Red Line is the 25 years that it took him to make that movie, every single person in that movie wanted to be in a Terrence Malick movie since they were a kid because they watched Badlands right. because that was the movie. Right. So the Thin Red Line is literally just all the famous people in Hollywood in the late 90s. I mean that's why that movie's got like – Woody Harrelson, John Cusack, John Travolta, George Clooney, Nick Nolte, Jim Caviezel, Sean Penn. Like, it's just the movie is just stacked. And right. most of the people have pretty small roles. Um, and then he only makes two more movies over the next 20 or the next 12 years, what, 13 like years, which is the New World, New that World, Colin Farrell one. And Tree of Life. And then Tree of Life. Yeah. He, like, doesn't make movies. And so mm-hmm. Terrence Malick is one of the most famous filmmakers to never make movies, basically. Yeah. Um, and but, it's, it's literally only because of those three movies, right? Badlands, Thin Red Line, and Tree of Life. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting one just because – Do you yeah. think he's a good director? Terrence Malick? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean his, his eye. Like his, yeah, his, he's got a great eye. Yeah, because he's like more of a photographer than a filmmaker in a lot of so, ways. Such a weird career. Um, I mean some, there's some other interesting ones. You know, I think like an honorable mentions to throw out here before we kind of start to really refine things down. You know, Woody mm-hmm. Allen's first film, What's Up, Tiger Lily, is an interesting one. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Brad Bird making The Iron Giant is a pretty interesting one. Oh, yeah, um, that's great. I think uh, – let's see. What about um, – oh, yeah, Mendez. Sam yeah. Mendes, American Beauty, that's like one of the most classic classics. I think that's one to talk about. Cause, yeah. Cause, I, and then we both, right? It's weird now because like because of Spacey, it like almost ruins the movie. It does. It does ruin the movie. You you don't like Lester anymore. Yeah. Because he's a molester. <laughs> yeah. It's like a horrible thing. So it's, it's weird how it's become an honorable mention when – yeah, it's a total bummer. And then – so another person we have on the list is Sam Mendes. I mean not not another person, but Sam Mendes' career just kind of peters out for me. I don't really like the rest of his career. I mean he could have been on the one-hit wonder category. He ends up on the classics category for us. And yeah. the reason is because as much as it's hard – I mean, OK. This is what you got to think about, right? So the Kevin Spacey – the Kevin Spacey trial and the indictment and all that stuff in the last year – it's relevant right now to somebody who knows about movies. Yes. In five years, somebody who today is 14 years old, who wasn't aware because they weren't paying attention, and they watch American Beauty for the first when time. they're 18. And they don't know anything about Kevin Spacey. They're going to take the movie at face value, and they're going to love it. They're going to love it. Because it's a great movie. It's so good. It's hard for us to remember that because we know what we know, and now being so close to it in the business, you know, uh, the people that are breaking that story are people we know. Like, yeah. that's like we're around it all the time, but we have to remember – 
that American Beauty for the longest time was one of my 25 favorite movies. Like it's a great, great movie and it's great for reasons beyond just Kevin Spacey. I mean Chris Cooper in that movie is amazing. Oh, Chris Cooper is amazing. Everyone in that movie is amazing. And Bentley. You, like yeah. I and, love that movie. And you also can't give it a one-hit wonder because you and I both adore Road to Perdition. Perdition is – It's so good. In some ways better. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love Road to Perdition. Yeah, I can watch it now and feel great about myself when I watch it. But after those two, I would argue that his career is pretty lackluster. Yeah, I don't I, like Skyfall. I don't like Spectre. I don't like Jarhead. Yeah. I don't like Revolutionary Road. I haven't seen it. I don't like like uh, what's that one? The weird family drama one that he did. It's like uh, away we go. Away we yeah, go. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think that's you know, Mendez is a he's an interesting director. He's yeah. got talent for sure. But I think American Beauty is so far and away his best movie that you have to call it a classic. And I think the last one on here. I mean, Get Out. We talked about a little yeah. bit. You know, we talked about it on our other show mostly. We referenced it in the beginning here, but I think Get Out is an all-time classic movie. A hundred percent. It's just it's it's so smart. The what they speak on socially in that film, the racism, the way that it's done, the comedy, the balance of comedy and horror, the suspense, the way it builds, the slow burn. All of it is just it's just masterclass filmmaking. Um, and the other guy we have on the list is, is an honorable mention is Alex Garland for Ex Machina and the things he's done. I'm going to take you a step further on that actually and say that he's beyond an honorable mention for me. Who, Garland? I, yeah, and I'll explain why. Okay. So the movie Ex Machina came out in, what, 2014, I think? Something like that. And it was his first movie. Alex Garland had written a bunch of scripts for Danny Boyle. He had been pretty known as a writer. And it came out in this, like, it just, like, looked amazing and was really interesting and was, like, pushing the boundaries in the idea of like the you know the female character that's an android just that whole trope of science fiction and he casts his movies so well too i mean yeah nobody knew who alicia vikander really was before this movie domin hall gleason was like yeah a face that he we was kind of brandon gleason's son yeah exactly <laughs> uh and he he makes this movie and like everybody's cast so perfectly oscar isaac is so good in this movie <sighs> vikander's so good in this movie she is brilliant and I have to say that when you look at this movie now, it's like a lot of people will argue this is the definitive science fiction movie of this decade. Like people will say this is a better movie than 2049. People do talk about this movie all the time as that. And it's – I almost think that like you could put this movie on the up-and-comer category in the sense that I think he'll probably make another better movie. But he might not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean Annihilation was good but it wasn't even close and uh... – I am very excited to see his career. It is interesting you talk about 2049 because no one talks about that movie anymore. It's a good movie. Just yeah. kind of came and went. I think it's just a little too long. Maybe. I, I want to watch it again. I, I want to watch that scene in, like, the, in the orange with the, well, yeah, the dust well, dude, outside. Well, what happened is I, when I watched it again, I was like, this is kind of boring in yeah. the middle of it. Whereas in the theater, it was like such a spectacle. Yeah. You know? All right, man. Put so, your money where your mouth is. Whew, what is the greatest debut film from a filmmaker of all time God, on this list? So hard. Do you know? Have you decided? I figured I was going to work through my decision while so we were I on think, the show. I think my three are Get Out, Shawshank, yeah, and um, and honestly, as weird as it is, Reservoir, because my, of what it's done for Tarantino's career. I, and my three and are everyone in that movie's career. My three are Get Out, Shawshank, and American Beauty. Oh wow. And I'm going to say it's Shawshank Redemption. It's got to be. <laughs> it's Shawshank. I, I, I was like sitting here trying to convince myself that it's Get Out for so many reasons, but Shawshank's just one. I, I wanted could... to be controversial. I was going to yeah, say American Beauty. I wanted to it's like not. anything. It's yeah. the Shawshank it's Redemption. It's the Shawshank Redemption. The fact that someone came out, first movie ever, and it is still considered the best movie ever made 25 years later. Yeah. Like, come on. 
and like the uh, the uh, like odd obvious non include here for us is Citizen Kane, but right. I just don't care enough to really ever talk about that movie. And everyone that I talk to that does like that movie, they all say the same thing: it's dated, it's boring. But what it does for film, yeah. you've got to respect. And I respect it, but I love to watch Shawshank Redemption. How many minutes into this part of the conversation would we have to sit here with William Bibiani to not get in a fight? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> If you, I like. Uh, I don't think we could show him this list and start talking about like in no no shade, no disrespect. No, Bibiani just, knows more about movies than I do. Oh, like, same. He's like we've seen way more movies, and he would start to like throw things at us about Citizen Kane and be like, I mean, I don't care enough to argue because I haven't seen it in the last few years. But like that's the thing about this conversation; it is entirely subjective. Yeah, I could definitely see him. His his would have either been say anything, Diner, or Citizen Kane. I bet. Maybe. I don't know how much he likes Diner. I'd be curious to know, but we, we've been meaning to have Bibiani on the show at some yeah, point. We so. Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah, so we should we should try to get him on here. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. We have an episode of Action Movie Anatomy this week doing a full in-depth discussion of Get Out. You mm-hmm. should go check that out right now. Be sure to follow along on the YouTube Action Industries. Go subscribe there. Leave your comments for full episodes. This whole episode is there. So if you're listening to it and you want to give us a shout there, leave some comments. Interact. And Patreon.com slash Team Action is the literal most important thing you guys can possibly do to support what we're doing. There's a reaction to our match. You can go watch it. Yeah. It's up now. Uh, and uh, there's additional content all the time. So where can the folks find you, Andrew? Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. Make sure to comment, like, subscribe to this channel on YouTube. Go find Action Industries YouTube, Action Industries YouTube page, and please let me know. Let us know who your favorite director or what your d- favorite directorial debut is of all time. Is it Shawshank like us? Did we miss one? Is it Get Out? Please let us know in the comments below. Yep. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Today's specials, new Chase Freedom Flex with 3% on dining, including takeout. Now every meal comes with a side of cash back. Learn more at ChaseFreedom.com. Cards are issued by JP Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Restrictions and limitations apply. Offer subject to change.